Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. All right, everyone, and welcome back to Grit and Grace. I have a repeat guest with me today, which I'm really excited about. I have Megan Conter with me. And funny enough, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, especially recently, all of my guests, we talk about Megan. So this one like person that you guys hear about all the time and that we reference, she's joining me again and I'm so excited to have her here. Um, Megan has 15 years of marketing leadership experience and she helps women-owned businesses break through ceilings and really increase their revenue by finding where their true passion and growth areas are. She's a natural leader. She's actually natural at helping other women be their best leader. And I absolutely love everything that she stands for. She is also the leading um, founder of the Denver Dames. And actually now it's just the Dames. Sorry, not the Denver Dames, the Dames, which is a national organization that celebrates women that are leading six and seven figure businesses. She does it through celebration and laughter and really transparent kindness in growth. And one thing I'll say about Megan, to me, she is like this string. She is a string and she creates string between other women. And she has, you know, she's created a network of like-minded, you know, growth mindset women in business that really support each other. And so instead of that sort of competition approach, a collaborative approach, which is one thing that I really love about her. And so Megan, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Taverly. I'm excited to speak for, you know, a little bit longer today and to really dive in deep to different conversation. Yeah, it's exciting because we're going to get to hear way more about you because the first time that we, that we talked, uh, we talked about our big hairy, audacious goals. And, you know, we aired that twice. So you guys may have heard that. And we really just dove right into what that was, but we didn't really get to learn a lot about you. And funny enough, I don't know if you know this, but like Lisa and I talked about you. Um, We talked about your Enneagram and my Enneagram and why we get along so well. It was really funny. Um, And then Susan and I, you know, have talked about you as well. And I think that one thing that's really special for you is that you were the very first person that I called to say, like, I really need to open my own company and I don't know what to do. And it was, I remember I was sitting in my truck, I was parked in a parking lot, I was going into a meeting with Colorado Krav Maga, and I delayed that meeting because it was the time that you had available. And I remember saying to you, well, I think this is what I want to do, but I am totally in the dark. And you know what you did is that you just said, yeah, that sounds great. Here's what you need to do. Here's how to get started. And here's what you can do to help me. And from then until now, anytime that I've had an area of like difficulty, which those of you that know, know it's been a lot. It's hard being a business owner. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Especially for the first time over the age of 40, it's like, it's like, you know, I, I literally just dove like right off. <laughs> I dove right off, off the, the edge. Yeah, exactly. That's and the really best way to do it. Yeah. And didn't know what that was going to look like. And it's been hard and you have been a lifeline to me in a lot of ways. And I know you are for a lot of women and I am really excited to have you in my circle. Thank you. I'm super excited. And I just love the connection that we built in such a short period of time. Yeah. And I think that's the, 
the connecting point too for me is that I love building deep connection with women and I have the talent and the strength to be able to do that easily Mm. and it fuels me. So some people, it can exhaust them to deeply connect, but me as an Enneagram 7 with a top strength of woo, which is winning others over. Yes. It's, and a, you know, an extrovert yes. to the max. Yeah. Uh, I am, it really fuels me. It yeah. is one of those points of joy and makes me feel like I'm doing life right. And I want to talk a little bit more about how you got to doing this in your life, but I want to, I want to share with our listeners one interesting thing that Megan did at the last Dames event, which it still plays around in my mind, and I think I need to find a way to do this, is she did this really funny like comedy um, little skit with another woman, and the, what you did was you went up and, and spoke in a different, you know, like a gibberish language, yep. and then you had like this other person in translate a, in a, it. Yeah, translate in a in a comedy way and it was just honestly one of it was I think it was probably one of my favorite parts of the month so far because I just laughed it was just so beautiful and I could feel in you at that time that you you were in your space of thriving right in that minute and now that I know you a little better you also have this like light that shines when you do that and when you're introducing people and when you're collaborating you light up honestly like the brightest star in the sky it's true like I said it's where I feel that that place of like clicking in mm. to to the skis of life. <laughs> like I'm putting my feet in the bindings and I'm like going right down that perfect yeah. slope and it's all right in the world. Do you feel like that's your purpose? Um, I have a lot of purposes. I'm a mm. multi-purposed individual, so I don't believe that we have one sole purpose in this world. Um, but yes, my, one of my purpose eyes. I'm going to call it the purpose size. Yeah, I'm going to make up, I make up words all the time. And We've got a new Megan word today. Mixed metaphors and <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff because I think that we take, you know, the reason why I do those, I call them get out of serious tips and mm. moments at our dames events is because we are high performing women in business who have to function at a very high level most of the mm. time and life I don't know if you know this, just kidding, uh, is very serious 99% of the time. And I feel like if I can bring one or two more percentage points of get out of serious into everybody's lives, we can all be happier, lighter beings. And so that's what those moments are all about. Like, How Mm. can we just have fun and break out of that space of seriousness? Because Mm. I I don't know about you, but for me, creativity comes in those moments of light, laughter fun yes and innovation is born in those spaces and really the breaking out of the mold happens when you're enjoying yourself and Mm. when you're not super serious but you're in a a very creative mindset or creative state of being and you know what else comes to me when you say that that's also when you're in your graceful being Mm -hmm. like i i would say that sometimes i've i've come into a a games (coughs) event and you know we you know, we do often operate at really high levels of performance. And mm-hmm. that, and not necessarily that it's always stressful, but it is like that high energy, it's output. And I like to, you know, or I'm learning that that really is sort of that masculine energy that, you know, as female business owners or executives or people that just lead teams, you know, like charging through yep. projects, you know, you're, you're performing at that level that's tough and strong. Right. Whereas when you bring little pieces of laughter in and comedy and you change that dynamic, I feel like it makes my whole body go, 
so I'm more a little totally. more graceful. I go maybe back into my like, you know, my feminine, my feminine side, and so I, I think that that's what pulls a lot of people to the dames is yes. that it allows women in a safe space to be able to feel that comfortable. That's it. You've tapped into the essence of it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that bar. So let's okay. Let's let's start back from the beginning because I want our listeners who have listened to you before and wonder who is this woman that talks about big, hairy, audacious goals? Who is this woman that everybody talks about on Tom Release podcast? Um, tell me, like, where you're from and a little bit more about you. Well, you know, I was born on a snowy day in Colorado Springs, <laughs> March 19th. <laughs> was it like that big snowy day where there's like 10 feet of snow? It was. And oh, actually, we're funny. on. there's a picture of my grandpa and my uncle digging the car out in front of the, in a snowbank, digging out of a snowbank right in front of the hospital where I was born. Oh, my. The morning after I was born. Really? So, yes, it was one of the biggest snowstorms in Colorado Springs history. So... And coincidentally, I hate snow. So, you know, you'll figure. <laughs> you know what? It's Mother's Nature is just saying, you know, let's just, let's just, everybody just needs to pave the way because this amazing new being is on her way into the world. That's right. And they say that however you come into this world is, shows a lot about you. So I think I was born within 15 minutes of my parents arriving at the hospital. So if that tells you that I was oh. ready to get here and I was <laughs> motivated to get stuff done, that's the truth. Love it. But anyways, really, I can fast forward. Um... So, you know, my first six years out of college, I went to CU Boulder and graduated with double degrees in marketing and in French. I'm fluent in French, and I love the French language and studied abroad for my junior year in college. Amazing. I'm actually going back there in two weeks, and I can't... I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited for you. Yes. My kids were raised their first half of their lives in Canada, so they were mandatory to take French. So I, I have had to learn... Um, this is what I've learned. Would you like me to tell you the yes. one sentence I've learned? Sure. So, je m'appelle Tavreli. Yes. Je ne parle pas français. Okay. Désolé. Oh, very good. <laughs> I My basically just Tavreli. said... I don't speak French. I don't... Sorry. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I love the French language. Me too. It's yeah. very angelic and romantic. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, uh, yeah. So, I spent, after graduating college, uh, six years in corporate America, and... I, I know that there are people who have very positive experiences in corporate, so by no means do I think this is a blanket judgment of mm. the corporate world, but I personally lost myself in the corporate world and thought, I remember thinking toward the uh, end of my span in corporate, if this is what my professional life, you know, 40 hours a week is going to look like, I don't mm. know how I'm going to make it. Mm. And so the universe gave me a giant gift in 2008 when it laid me off from my last job. And, you know, it was during the beginning of the recession when all architecture firms were laying off mass amounts of people because there were, there was no work to be done. Mm. And, you know, at the time, of course, that was a feeling of total devastation. And what am I going to do? You know, no money in the bank, no real idea of what I was going to do next because of course what I had been doing wasn't my favorite Mm. so I it just paid the bills yeah it just paid the bills and honestly it uh, gave me the money to drink as much as I wanted to because that was my pastime and you know party with my friends and whatever subsist in life so in 2009 I was looking for jobs really couldn't find anything that was lighting me up at all And again, the universe put some entrepreneurs right in front of me and they all suggested that I, you know, they're like, man, you're amazing at these things. They would put me, 
they were putting me in these problem-solving situations, which I love and thrive off of. Mm. And I was giving them all of these ideas for, you know, thriving. And long story short, was convinced to start my own business, having no idea what that would mean. And that was, you know, that was a moment of complete shift and change and evolution in my life Mm -hmm. that has put me on an entirely different trajectory where, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the feeling of your skis going into the bindings perfectly, that was a like jumping from one path to another where Mm -hmm. I finally felt like I clicked my skis into my bindings and it was like that perfect fit. Wow. And you know, I can so relate to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you did that 10 years ago. Right. I did that a year ago. And maybe that's part of the reason why I'm so pulled to you because I feel like you, when you look at me, you, you look at and and you can say, Oh sister, I know. (laughs) I know exactly where you're going. I see the beauty of it all. You, you know, well, you also show me that in 10 years Mm -hmm. where I can potentially be, Mm -hmm. So, and and hopefully you can even avoid a lot of the little pitfalls that I went through to do it even faster than me. Yeah, I'm sure it was a big transition. And I mm-hmm. know how hard it is when you don't know exactly where to go or how to go where you want to go. You know, you might know totally. where you want to go, but knowing how to get there is a totally different question. And I have to say that the uh, I like to joke about the fact that I started my business in the most imperfect conditions possible, mm-hmm. having no money set aside for it in the worst economy I've experienced in my lifetime. This is basically 2009. Um, When I started, I went into social media marketing, which in 2009, 2008, nobody knew anything about. And I had never been a business owner before. So all the cards were stacked against me. And what I say now is if I could make it through the ramen days, those are my ramen (laughs) days, I can make it through anything. Right, right. Yeah, wow, that must have been quite a process. So so how did you so those first few years like how did you find how did you find your direction? Like, you know, I I explained it recently like I I can I feel like I'm floundering. Like I I have like these flaps on the side of me and I'm like treading the wind and sometimes I get this like burst of wind that just like pushes me in a direction. I'm like, "Okay, this is the way we're going to go." And then boom, I hit like a, a new wall of wind and then it pushes me in a different direction that I don't always know. I don't even, I don't always know. I, I mean, <laughs> so you can clearly see where I'm at. Um, but how did you navigate that? So I think that because I felt like I was finally in my, my home space when I started my business, I went out there and started connecting with other entrepreneurs and found mm. this world that I didn't, that never existed in the corporate world. Mm we were no longer these people that were trying to claw at each other to get to the top. We were entrepreneurs in this space of like, hey, if we help each other, we can get farther faster. Mm -hmm. If I help promote you and you help promote me, if I help you get through challenges and you help me get through challenges, if, you know, in any way, shape or form, we truly connect and we can find a way of helping move one another forward, this is gonna be a heck of a lot more fun and enjoyable than if we don't. Yeah. So it was like I let go of all the competition and the catty bullcrap that I'd experienced in my corporate jobs, and I left that in the past. Right. And that I was really a choice. embraced. That oh, was a choice. Totally. Yeah. But it was also an opportunity mm. because I saw that was what was happening around me, and I saw like, hey, this is this is what I've been waiting for. This is that feeling of 
being able to connect authentically with all these people around me and help each other that I never had before. And mm. that's what I've always wanted. And so I think, I think that that is probably, or not probably, that is your strongest, that is your strongest skill set. And, uh, and to connect, and yeah, connect others. Yeah. And I mean, I know that, I know that you work a lot in marketing and you've done a lot of branding, but I, I also think that you're, I would I want to call you the collaboration mistress now, the marketing mistress, because you are you are you set the path for other people to think that that's even possible. So there's the thing is that, and it's not that people aren't capable of it; it's that they haven't been exposed to what you're talking about. They haven't been exposed to a group or an environment where people really can work together, even if you are doing the same work in the same space, that there's so much work to go around. There is enough for everybody. And changing that mindset is sometimes just about having someone say that it's okay to do that. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. It doesn't make you less professional. It doesn't make you less of a strong girl boss to be willing to stay in that space. Well, and what I would say is just as it relates to marketing and branding, if we can really honestly tap into the core essence of what marketing and branding is, it's creating connection. It's creating connection between an organization and the people it's here to serve. It's creating connection within that organization of all the team members that need to unify under a solid message and a solid purpose and a solid direction Mm. to then, as a unified group, reach out to that target audience. Right. So to me, it's all part of connection. Right. Um, I... I think that that's the opposite of a lot of what we hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if people go online and they listen to a lot of the top marketing viewable, you know, online training or YouTube, I mean, they talk about just hitting high numbers. They talk about technology as being the greatest resource to connect with as many of your potential clients as possible. But, you know, that connection doesn't result always in sales. It re- results in followers and likes and clicks and views, but it doesn't result necessarily in sales because what gets missed in that part is that connection. And you know what? It's a human connection. Mm-hmm. I know I talked about this in at least one other podcast that I think one of the, oh, I think it might have been my podcast about being single. Mm. Mm. It's possible because this is the same thing. It's the same thing about talking using technology in the dating world versus just connecting with a person. Right. And that connection you know, it can seem simple with technology and technology makes it easier for us to get in front of larger audiences, but it doesn't create that connection. And that is, that is huge. Well, yeah, that connection is the, if you think of it as the core, right, is the connection of my talent is really helping an organization get clear on that core alignment from what's at the heart of that organization to what's their higher intended purpose. Mm. And then who that that heart connection needs to reach out to, what other hearts on this planet it needs to reach out to, and then how to correct that, could create, sorry, that direct conduit. Right. That's what it is. And if we can really look at it that way, then we don't make everyone else a number. It's not about mass quantity, it's about quality. Mm-hmm. And it's about the kind of connection that you're looking for. I've never met a business owner who's happy when they when they don't serve the people that they really want to serve. I've only met disgruntled, unhappy business owners who haven't taken the time to get clear on what their purpose is and what their vision and their mission is and who they're here to serve and their target audience and everything else that's unique about them as an organization. Yeah. I've never met a happy one. Yeah, well, (laughs) and we had an example recently at the Dames event. Um, There was, you know, 
there was somebody that spoke and they talked about how they let go of one of their bigger clients that was a high revenue generating client because you know what? They were miserable. Mm -hmm. They were miserable working with that particular client. And I think that that then brings in the piece of knowing what your values are. Because if what you're talking about stays true with the company, if you if you really focus on that, and whether you have five employees or 50 employees, if that's still your ultimate goal and you make that your value, you make decisions that are very different. And we saw an example of that. And I was super proud of her. I, I told her after we'd heard her speak that, the choice that she made to let a big client go because it was making them miserable, it just like, it made my heart go, yeah, heck yeah. Like that's that's where the good stuff is. Absolutely. Because they know exactly who they serve and they don't, they've really realized that if we can focus even more on that niche and focus on providing them, giving them our all, mm. then that's where our time is going to come from. Mm. So I, I want to I say um, that... You must work with, or I know you work with, a lot of companies that are in growth stages. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know, you know, you and I work together at early stages, but if you're working with a company, and for those of you that are listening, whether or not you're an executive at your company, or you're just an employee, or you have, you know, you have goals to start your own business one day, um, looking really at internal values as a company, I, I think is critical, and it does get missed a lot, and I can see why. Now, I mean, I look at myself, and I look at some of the partners that I work with, and I see that we're just doing all the stuff, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're like in the worker zone, you know, trying to combine providing good service to the clients we do have, trying to find a slice every week, if possible, to continue developing your business, and then trying to find ways to still be creative. And then on top of all that, you're still trying to find ways to have a personal life and have balance and fill yourself up and grow and educate. There's not a lot of space in there to stop and think about your values. That feels like to some people that's, Superfluous. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Superfluous. Super, superfluous. Su- superfluous. Yeah, close. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that it seems like something that's extra that they need to worry about down the road, not from the get go. So how would you start? How would you suggest a company puts that in their priority list of things that they need to accomplish? Yeah. Well, what I can say is that if you put it off for too long, it's going to end up exploding on you at some point. Mm. So the earlier you do it, the better. And I would say it's not just your values, but for me, it starts with the vision of the company and what their greater purpose mm. as it relates to their the world at large is number one. Like what problem they're trying to solve. Uh, even broader than that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Even broader than that. But if they woke up in a utopic society, what would the world look like? Mm. So our vision is something that we never achieve but always strive for. Right. And then our mission becomes the who, what, when, where, and why of how we're actually putting boots on the ground to get there. Right. And then our values become our guideposts for how we operate in our highest and best. Mm. And there's other conversations around standards and roles mm. and responsibilities and other things that also need to come from that that initial um, nucleus of yeah. mission, vision, values. Right. But the faster you tap into internally what are those values and what's the mission and vision and how do you all as a team live in those values on a daily basis and what do you do when you notice that someone's getting out of alignment with that and how do you get back on track, that's what creates the intentional culture from the inside out that then gets seen and makes your organization magnetic to the people who resonate with those values externally. Right. right. And internally. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, totally. for resources internally. I think about it like 
most people would envision what you're describing as a top-down thing or it has been done at a top-down thing because I've worked with lots of organizations and companies as I'm sure you have where that might happen just amongst the people that own the company Mm -hmm. and if you keep your values and your vision um, inside just the top people who are invested financially have the stakes in the company but they do not involve their senior leadership team or because your senior leadership team should then carry that down Mm -hmm. to the people they work with if that does not happen it's not really happening because then nobody in your company is engaged in that process and we all know that the most successful cult companies with the most successful culture don't just keep it at the top they bring it to everyone right i mean it has to be translated down to the every single person within that organization in order to have a successful business culture. And most of my sweet spot of the size of clients is two to 30 employees. So I'm in that space of like total excitement and joy when I come in because usually I can make a huge difference with that small the number of team. Where I get a little uncomfortable and disenchanted is when it gets to be a bit bit bigger of an organization because change takes longer to have it actually make it happen and it's a little bit more difficult to get the people in leadership to come down off their high horse and realize that it does matter that you get it throughout the entire organization and that change has to happen for everyone Mm. Um, and if there's anything that I've learned in my career of like starting in social media and moving into social media strategy and then into branding and marketing coaching and then creating the dames three years ago because of a need for a community of high-performing women in business. It's that if you're not evolving in business, chances are you're not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's just the reality. And I, I struggle with finding time to continue to grow as an individual so my company can grow. I know that I need to continually be working on myself as the leader of my company, as the leader of the partners that are coming involved, and as a leader of the you know contractors and all of the future employees, if I am not working on myself to be that best, my company is going to suffer for it. And that's that's been a learning process. You know, it's it's not just a matter of what you sell and how you sell it and doing the work. There is so much more involved. Yep. And so okay, so that you just outlined your path, how you started in social media and you went into branding. And do you still do that? Do you do any sort of backend social media work? Nope. No, no social media whatsoever. There are experts out there who keep up with all the changing and all the trends and everything that changes as often as I change my underwear. And I have no desire to keep up with all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I surround myself with other really intelligent people and I keep myself at a high strategic level looking at the way the organization operates as a whole Mm. because marketing can't function in a silo. It has to function with all the rest of the mechanics and mechanisms of the company in order to grow and scale properly. So that's where I keep myself. And then I bring in my team members to help with all the details. Well, and I like that. And if anybody has any interest in some of the resources that um, Megan provides, not only the services that she does, but those resources she has available to her, we're going to, at the end of the um, at the show, we're going to give you all the information on a way to contact her. It'll also be in the show notes. But, I mean, do you have people specifically that would tap into and do back-end social media? Because, honestly, I think it's one thing that a lot of women at my stage find hard. And I, I'm trying myself, right? I'm, I, I actually manage four different social media accounts just mm-hmm. for the clients I work with and my own and then my personal. And I try to combine a little bit of my personal with my corporate, which is part of this podcast, right? I mean, I, yeah. I talk a lot about corporate cause agency, which is my company on this podcast, but I also talk about 
the personal journey because it's it's been transformative for me. Um, but do you have people that do just that back end stuff that you literally could just say, here, here's my login. Can you go and make me look good on all the channels? Yeah, for sure. And what I can tell you is that because I work 100% with female owned businesses, um, what women struggle with is being seen. Mm. And that is why they try to outsource social media before anything else. Mm. And so if they can actually spend some time tapping into themselves and their own leadership, these women that I work with are thought leaders. They are the ones who need to be out there with their voices in the world, just like I do. Yeah. If we don't speak our truth and speak our message to the world, nobody else can do it as well as we can. And that's something yeah. that maybe the details of you know, creating the content that is at the core of everything, your subject matter expert content or your thought leadership content, right. needs to stay in the box of the CEO. That person who is directing the course of the company or president or whomever is put in that position. Right. They can outsource slash give tactics to their employees to facilitate, you know, repurposing that content right. onto different platforms, etc. But I find that usually when women want to outsource that, it's because they're not willing to tap into their own true essence and they're scared of themselves and they're scared of how big that they can get and they're scared of being seen and they're scared of being oh, heard yes. and they're, that's a whole different area oh, and yeah. you can feel that energetically, right? Yeah. So I would say before you try to figure out how you're going to outsource this, think of how you're going to do your best job keeping it in-house because you're trying to connect with people out there through your message and the second you outsource that, no matter how great that outsourced yeah. company is, yeah, it's not you. You lose that essence yeah. and that connection that you're so desperately trying to create. Yeah, I you you're bang on, and I I mean, why do you think that women are so uncomfortable doing that? I mean, I'm just as guilty of it, and you know my story from last year's woman women's entrepreneur day where I literally like transformed. I left that place a different person than I was when I walked in because, and I tell this story a lot because I think it's really indicative of what women go through more so than men but I felt uncomfortable right mm -hmm. I, I covered my tattoos I wore something that I thought everybody else was going to be wearing and they did I showed up at the event and there was not a single female with the tattoo showing anywhere and so I sat uncomfortable you know in my blazer and I sat and you know just kind of was sweating small. your ass off yeah and I was not <laughs> comfortable and then I, I attended and I knew you were going to be there later which is the only reason why I went I think you're the one that told me to go, right. um, I had that vision, right, of ripping off my blazer and throwing it on the ground when I was finally listening to how it's me that people are going to connect with mm -hmm. and be and, and work with me and become a part of my business, not who I was telling them that I was or, or showing projecting. or projecting. So I think that it's a hard, it's a hard transformation, actually. It's really hard. And we lack confidence as women to do that. Why do you think that is? Um, well, <laughs> This is a longer conversation than we probably have time for, but look at all of the people who are in the, the limelight right now, the authors, like Ber the Brene Browns of the world, the Rachel Hollises. Women are struggling to feel okay to be completely vulnerable right. and to feel completely in alignment with themselves. Right. And what I have realized is that <clears throat> women are finally in a space where they realize that they have to be themselves and that that's the only thing that they can be and that when they are themselves they lead other women to be able to be themselves and then mm -hmm. that is how the future is female is going to happen 
when we step into our power, step into our leadership, not in an out of alignment way, but in a truly aligned, self-actualized, self-aware, self-love at the core type of way. And that has not been a role of women for the last several centuries at all. Mm. So we are still babies. We're still infants, not infants. We're still toddlers Mm. in this whole growing into ourselves thing. That's why the topic of vulnerability comes up in so many of these books, etc. And I can tell you right now, that's one thing that I hated about my life in corporate America was that I couldn't bring who I was to the table. Mm. I couldn't bring what I was struggling with, what I was good at, what I was... None of that was able to be brought to the table because it wasn't acceptable for the professional world. And what you were talking about before is what every entrepreneur needs to know that if you're not growing personally, you're never going to grow professionally. Mm. And if you're not growing professionally, you're never going to grow personally. Mm. You have to do both. And it's not just like putting one in a box and, you know, bringing the other one out. That's for sure. And it's the same thing. If you can't be expressive of who you are and what, what lights you up and what tears you down, then you're just going to feel like this half person walking around all the time half hiding your tattoos, hiding who you are because of what? Yeah. For what reason? For nothing other than making yourself smaller and trying to fit into somebody else's shoes, which, you know, everybody else's shoes are huge on me. I don't want to wear that. I want to wear my size six (laughs) shoes. Right. You know, when you, when we have conversations like this, Megan, I, I have this little vision of like putting you inside like a little genie bottle and having you with me wherever I go. And so when I'm having that day where I feel like, okay, this is what this is what most people do. This is what I should do because this is what most people are doing. And I should do it that way because that's just the way it's been done. And that's the way to success. Um, and it's easy because you can find formulas for the way people have done it hundreds of, for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And that's how to be a, how to be a mom, how to be a, a business owner, how to be a friend, how to be a partner in business, all of these things. But then, then I think back to words you say or the things that I've learned and how I've grown. And sometimes I still catch myself in that place. And I, I literally like put the brakes on and say, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. that's not really me. Mm -mm. That's not how I want to do it. And this podcast is a part of that because we talk about some really sensitive things here and when when you talk like that I hope that you know that every single person listening right now and forever are going to take that piece away because that is I don't know that to me is is really at the essence of where women are at in business and I don't know if you listened to it but I did a podcast recently of the state of women in business and it was really Mm -hmm. just a lot about stats right it was really just educating people and how far behind women still are because yeah. people think, oh, women have full equality in the workplace. Women have the same opportunities as men. And you know what? It's total bull crap. It's mm-hmm. not that way. And the more that I've learned about that, the more I realize it's, it is a problem. So what you're talking about is ways to address that problem. And I think that we should do another podcast specifically on that topic because I don't want to go any more into that. But I will say that one thing that I have learned is just to stay at the table as yourself. Whether you're an employee, a boss, a leader, a, you know, a, a, a new employee going to college, coming out of college, wherever you at are at, or if you own your own company, stay at the table as you. Mm-hmm. Make that space as your true self in all your beauty. And it doesn't matter if it's so different than everybody else. 
that's where the good stuff is. And once you start speaking from that place, mm. you will inevitably find other people who are resonating with at that level, who are vibrating at that level, who want the same things that you do. And they will come and they will come alongside of you and you'll have a tribe of people as soon mm. as you're willing to step into that space. Yeah. And yeah. just something funny when you were talking about that is I think I've had three people in the last week tell me they wish they could put me in their pocket. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe that's why I was born five foot two. Because I'm so small. I could be put into little spaces and just come out and tell everybody, oh listen gosh. to your intuition. Oh my gosh. Tap into yourself. Oh my gosh. Come You're into like going into heart. the back of all of our minds. Right? You're like, you are. Like, you are like in our back pocket. I like that. I'm going to call, I'm going to call you from now Megan in my pocket. <laughs> it's like or, those Polly pockets or whatever. Yeah. I'm Megan in the pocket. Megan in the pocket. Um, and that could be a good phrase when people yeah. need to be reminded of that. You know, remember who's in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> who's in your pocket. Yeah. Right. I love that. Well, I think that that also everything we're talking about also plays into who you do business with mm-hmm. and um, you know that I've shared that I had I had started a partnership um, with a, a friend of mine working in this with this medical product and that I, I terminated that based upon the values I've established for my business and it didn't meet it and it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done so I'm really careful and thoughtful at who I work with and you know you have from day one talked about this concept of power partners mm-hmm. and I think that all of this also applies to who you're working with. And I think about, I recently met someone at, um, at an event who is running a business that is supporting a social entrepreneur business. Mm-hmm. And her and I have a lot of ways in which, in which we can like cross collaborate and share. And we've met a few times and I have sort of followed your process. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think this is also really, really, really critical. I've sort of followed your process, but haven't necessarily done the, the all of the work. And I want I want to talk about how to do the work at it because um, this is someone that I think could be a really good partner for me. We can equally share referrals. We're both working from the same heart. Totally. You know, her company is a for profit, but supporting social entrepreneurs. You know, my company is a for for profit, and I want to work with the business side of really strong community partnerships. But ultimately, my heart is to strengthen the community organizations. So we're both working from the same heart space. And she's, you know, we both have connections in different areas. I think that she would be an absolutely perfect formal like power partner for me. And so we talked recently, I'll tell you one of the ideas that we've started with is we're going to do this um, mutual exchange where this social entrepreneur actually produces truffle brownies hmm. and she's purchasing them and selling them to companies as corporate gifts so companies can utilize this project but she's sourcing it from a community kitchen that's helping women come out of homelessness Love it. so it's amazing and so when they make gluten-free versions and you keep know going. what i'll have to ask but i will tell <laughs> you that they're like almond version they're like it's just like um, honestly if anybody follows mm. me on social media you're gonna see that i i made a call out to them and, and you can go find them because the brownies are really good and you only have to work out four hours a day like Topperly <laughs> does to keep a kick-ass body and eat brownies all day well long. i don't work out four hours a day but i work I'm, out I, I know but exactly. i do have to work out that much because i eat a lot of brownies i know this is why i really like this partner <laughs> no I, I i think that um some of the incentive part that she can bring to the table while supporting them is great and what I can do for her is really utilize my vast network with this new digital product that I'm launching which is training companies on how to start looking at building community partnerships we can partner together in a lot of those areas um, but I would love to hear from you on 
on a power partnership, what does that mean and what's that process like? I mean, yes. educate me so I'm making sure that I'm setting up my really good new power partner as a success from the start. Definitely. So let's just talk a little bit about what power partners can be, first of all, okay. and then I'll talk about a, a series of steps that you should go through in order to develop successful power partnerships. So in my business, I would not have a business if I didn't have power partners. Here's why. Power partners bring in 95% of my new business in what? my marketing business. 95%? 95%. And I track every single customer oh that comes goodness. in. That's referrals. And that is 95% of my power partner network. Wow. And all of my attendees come from the dames come from my power partner network as well. Because all of these people who get to know, like, and trust me and whom I build relationship with, whom I with whom I collaborate, who I hold up, who I help, they are all my power partners as well. And in my marketing business, all of the vendors that do my websites, my social media, my web copy, my... Mm you know, Erica Brewer who helps and does all my help with my branding work with all my clients and those that I bring in to write marketing plans, those are all power partners of mine. Mm -hmm. So I treat everyone around me as if they were my power partner and some end up becoming them and really truly fit that mold, if you will. And then yeah. others just become part of my network or they, you know, I call them potential power partners yeah. because anyone is out there at any given time that knows me and knows my business could send me a, a kick-ass lead and a kick-ass right. referral. Right. But here's how, here are the steps that get missed on an ongoing basis. And this is why I think people say, oh, you know, that concept doesn't work for me. And to be totally transparent, you asked me where this came from. And I was, I was developing these partnerships all the way along, but I didn't have a strategic way of you know, understanding how to best utilize them until I joined three to five club. So I was part of three to five club for four years. They have a concept that's called lumberjacks. That's the um, nucleus of what I've developed into my power partner process. Okay. So that's where it came from. Gotcha. Um, but I go into a lot more depth because I found that there were some pieces that were not quite fully flushed out that I needed in order to make full use of this concept. Mm. So it's basically a couple of different stages that you have to look at, doing the pre-work, establishing an abundant mindset, getting the tools, establishing processes to follow, and nurturing power partners. Right. So I'll go through these at a high, high level. Yeah, sure, um, that's great. And then everyone, I'm sure we can provide them with the link, but yeah. on my blog you can find an article called Building Successful Power Partnerships. So. The pre-work is where, this is like you were saying earlier, yeah. this is the part that a lot of people skip. So if you're clear on your, mis your message, your brand, your mission, vision, values, your target market, etc., right. this whole, the rest of everything I'm about to say is a lot easier and a lot mm. more effective. Right. If we skip that step, um, I don't want to say that it won't work, but it'll be a lot harder for it all to right. work. It's like trying to then put a, a square peg in a round hole. Exactly. Yeah. So understanding who your target audience is and being able to describe that clearly and concisely is a key component here. And obviously knowing what your values are can help you find out if you're going to resonate with this partner that you're about to bring mm -hmm. on for a venture or a power partner that's going to help bring you referrals mm -hmm. or an employee that you're going to bring on or whatever. But if you don't know that, you 
you get into situations oftentimes where you're like, there's something that's off. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. We're not connecting and it's not moving forward as how you wanted it to be or it feels like it's a take, take, take or give, 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 one of the two. Right. Exactly. So um, then understanding what your core competencies are and knowing what your lane is. So in marketing, I work with female-led businesses that are between 250,000 and 2 million in revenue with two to 30 employees. Vast majority of those companies are business-to-business service providers. Some are B2C. Mm-hmm. And that I focus on their branding and marketing strategy because they are trying to catapult to the next level and they, are, they have a weak foundation. Right. So I know then what my lane is. And when leads come to me that are outside of that realm, like a brand new startup that, you know, really needs a lot of help in a lot of other areas of business because they don't know about systems and processes. They don't know about technology, et cetera. I have power partners that I will refer those people to to work with before they come work with me. So knowing exactly what your lane is is key. Right. Then knowing your target audience, knowing your lane, helps you figure out who your power partners could be. So in the realm of referrals in business, that's what our primary function is as a power partner, is helping one another get referrals. We need to know people who share the same target market or do the same thing as we do but focus on a different target market or they regularly talk with the person or department who hires you in your business. Right. So it so could be something, it could be in a totally different industry, sector, but is if they're interacting, if you've established all of that, but they're interacting with the people that you know that you need to act or interact with at that same level of a company, you I mean you, you have the opportunity right there mm-hmm. to expand. And, and most of the time from what I know about you and your experience, because I'm kind of new at the power partner thing, but for you, I, I know that oftentimes your power partner can fill a niche in a, in a service area that you don't do, which is what you just described. And having another company come in and fill that niche means that you get to stay drilled down into what you're good at. And you're not trying to expand your scope into different areas that you know is not your expertise, but you know that your client really needs, right? Yep. That comes yeah. from an what you just described in the latter comes from a place of scarcity. Like, mm. typically, that I'm going to lose this client if I refer them to X, Y, Z, or that I can do this. I, I can I can do that. I know enough about that where I can do it. Mm. Well, sure you do, but is it in your highest and best interest, and is it where your strengths really are the highest? Right. Can you really provide your client with as much value as you need to in that area, or are you just trying to be all things to all people. Right. That's a total scarcity mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. And if you, like the more power partnerships you develop, the more seamless it should be for your clients. So when you know that you need to bring an, another partner in for a certain part of your service, you don't make it clunky. You don't make it a ridiculous handoff. You right. make it so that you arrange the situation with your power partner to facilitate it in an easy way for your client. Yeah. That's all. It becomes yeah. part of your systems and processes. Yeah. They know they know that they need expertise that you're willing to provide outside of yourself. Right. And, and they understand that you guys are all working towards the same goal. Like you're all swimming down the same stream, right? And yeah. I think that that's huge. But that's maybe a piece that I hadn't thought of. That handoff is, that could be really clunky if it's not planned out. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a handoff. Yeah, like it's just none a, of a, my, a, a work in progress. Right, none of my clients mm. in this instance of my vendors, none of my clients want to, <laughs> okay, I'll say it this way. What they find as a huge value in my process is that they come to me 
and they get everything that they need in marketing. They don't mm-hmm. have to then go out and find a web developer and find a copywriter and find a brand photographer and find someone to you know, set up all their social media profiles and find someone to help them set up their email marketing software. They don't have time for that. Yeah. They don't want to do that. They want to yeah. come to one person who can help them with all of that. Yeah. And so my clients, unless they want to, don't ever have to talk to the web developer or the person who's working on their logo. Right. Because that's what my job is for. Right. So it's about understanding, again, the needs of your target audience. My woman who's running a $2 million company and has 30 employees who need her constantly does not want to have meetings with 10 other subcontractors who are going to do all that right. stuff. Right. So I know my client's needs. Right. So that right there is you know, the key of understanding who your power partners could be. And sometimes they're in the most unsuspecting categories, like you were saying. Right. Think outside of the box and think about especially who comes into contact with your business owner, your decision maker, your consumer, who else comes into contact with that person. Mm. That's who you want to find as your power partners. Right. So that's that's the who. And then let me just say one more point in this first section of doing the pre-work is looking at who you already know, who your centers of influence are that you're already connected to, because those people can be the perfect people to start with. Because mm-hmm. you might say, well, I don't know anybody who's in my power partner categories. Yeah, right. You might not, but guess what? I guarantee you I do. Right. And I'm a center of influence for a ton of people. I, was I love being that. that. Yeah, how, how do you find it? That's, that's a good point. So, so you if, think about the people mm-hmm. around you who are connected to a lot of people mm-hmm. and who are constantly yes. talking about other people that they know, like, and trust, right. those are centers of influence. Right. So if Taverly knows that she needs to get connected to, um, let's say, those in venture capital world because that's going to be provide you with a bridge to getting in front of the corporations that right. you need to work with in corporate cause agency, right. then Taverly comes to me and says, hey, who do you know that's in that has VC venture right and can you connect me with them right totally I'd be right. more than happy to right being being comfortable asking for that understanding that you know you need power partners is a big thing and, and listen people if you're working in business and if you're a growing business you need power partners this is this is a reality and you might have called it something different but the way that Megan just summarized it is hugely important now let me ask you would you can you do this kind of service on your own in your company if somebody is listening and they say okay I really only need help in this part of what your services are or I only really want to do like a session on looking at my power partners is that something you would do one-off sort of ad hoc or is that is that not something or maybe just the blog or they could consult with you and and, and just see maybe you would have suggestions on that Yeah, I would say um, the magic in my service is in my marketing catapult process. Right. And when people try to skip different areas of it, that's when explosives blow up later on down the line. Right. So, or just not successful because you're missing half of the links. Exactly. So I would say that the blog post that I share goes in depth with this topic. But if you have any questions of like you're thinking about these people might be my power partners or those people might, Mm -hmm. I'm always open to answering questions. So send me an email. And we didn't get through the rest of this, but definitely we'll share this blog post that shares the how 
you do this. Yeah, because there are a detail. lot of steps that we didn't we didn't go through, but right. there are like detailed steps. And you know, thank you for being willing to share that blog. Absolutely. I will I will make sure that it's um, that your website is accessible to all of our listeners, so they can go and find that blog. Yeah, and people know they always can reach me for more information. We get asked for that, but I I first of all I want to say. Because I know that we're getting close to running out of time, and you and I could talk all day. This all is day. this is where I want to be easy. Megan in my pocket because That's like all day, <laughs> Megan in my pocket, Megan in my pocket. Um, this is amazing. I think that we're gonna have to spend lots more time talking because not only is this super helpful for me, and honestly, I'm the luckiest person in the world because I get to spend time with people like you, who inspire me and also just show me that you have paved the path on how to get through and use grit. Um, and find tribes like yourself that will support you in the process. Because honestly, I, I would not be here today if it wasn't for you. I would not have, I would, my company would not still be here today if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Thank you for being you. Oh, thank you. Um, it's amazing when you connect with someone and you can find similar processes and paths and experiences that can lead to growth for everybody. Absolutely. So before I ask my last question, um, let's tell our listeners how they can reach you. Yes, so you can find me, Megan Conter, on my website, and that's M-E-G-H-A-N-N-C-O-N-T-E-R.com, and that's my handle on almost all the social platforms as well, so if you want to connect with me, um, just send me a little private message that says, hey, I listened to your podcast with Taverly, and I'd love to connect, and I, awesome. I love connecting with people online, and then if you want to, if you're a woman who's running a company generating more than $100,000, and you're looking to connect with a tribe of like-minded women who love to laugh, learn, and grow together, you can check out The Dames, and our website is thedames.co, so you can check us out there. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't really get to talk about the dames because I think that that is such an amazing group of women. And we'll do that next time. Sounds great. Um, and what I might, and I'm going to put you on the spot right here, Megan. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Um, I would love to record my uh, podcast at the next dames event. That would be awesome. And talk to a bunch of the ladies that are there and catch some of the yes. uh, the comedy um, tidbits. Is that okay? Totally. That would be <laughs> Not amazing. like I just didn't put you on, on no. call out right there. <laughs> you know what? I think that'll be amazing. All right. We'll do that. And so that'll help you guys learn more about what the Dames does. And Megan, thank you very much. And for all of my listeners, you know, these are some of the most powerful, influential, transformative women that you get to listen to on this podcast. And yeah, I, I definitely feel very fortunate that I get to be a part of it. But also, I, I want to bring to you the people who have really shaped my path. So Megan is one of them for me, and she is super amazing. And we're going to ask her our last question. What is your percentage of grit and grace? I would have to say probably 95% grace and 5% grit. Oh my gosh, Because I love it. the word grit is actually, it's a word that doesn't really resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like when you're in alignment with who you are and what you're here to do, those moments of challenge. Um, it's not that I'm putting on my warrior mask and I'm putting on extra armor and trudging through mm-hmm. it. I'm simply giving myself the space to reconnect with my higher self. And that's a space of grace. Yes. To really remember who I am and that I'm only here to live this human existence in this life form once. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I might as well enjoy it as I'm doing it and mm-hmm. not not put on some armor and try to trudge through with, with grit. 
And you know, that's something you can help me with because I have found more grace in the last year of my life than I've had in a really long time. I know how important it is and I definitely probably circle more in the grit area, but I don't, I, I strive to be equal parts. That's, that's my goal. So yeah, I love it. And you are very graceful and you're really funny too. You know I mean? That's, that's what I mean. The grace also comes in the humor because mm-hmm. that's what lightens the mood. And um, it's all from love. It's all from love. Well, that's amazing. Thanks again for joining us, Megan. And to all of my listeners, you know that you can reach us on Facebook at Grit and Grace Podcast, or you can comment on any of our episodes on the Ladies Chit Chat Club, and we will always bring you the best, most amazing women like Megan, and she is definitely going to be back, so stay tuned. And thank you very much, and go be fierce, my friends.